And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Yes, sir. Hello to you. It's Christian. My call sign's Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. Also joined by Steve, Whiskey 7 United Delta India. And what a week, Steve. What a week turned around. It was like, I thought I'd have an easy go of this week, and especially Friday. Mm -hmm. No, 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 sir. We got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, net control, being in net control, and maybe being a better net control or getting over the fear of what uh, is keeping you from trying to be a net control operator. Winter field day looked like it was a success, Steve. Uh, the bands uh, just went kaputty right after. We thought maybe there was some a winter field day fatigue on Sunday mm-hmm. night. Yeah, it was. I, I think that's what it was. It was just people were kind of getting, they're a little tired, but the bands were just hopping for winter field day. It was just awesome. Yeah, and there's a discussion to be had there. And I know we just have a few minutes and we're going to get into our net control stuff. Um, but where do you fall in this whole thing where like power, running power on, on say field day and winter field day? Because some people are getting bent out because you're up against the 1500 watts or a thousand watt station. The root of this whole thing is to be doing it as an emergency sort of situation. Where do you fall? Is there room enough for everybody? What do you think about it? I think there's room enough for everybody, but uh, I mean, there's the, you know, the spirit of it. And uh, as a, you know, if you're out in the field, yeah, you could run 1500 Watts, but you're going to be consuming, you know, quite a bit of, fuel if you're running a generator because you're going to have to run a sizable generator to to supply the enough current for your amplifier but uh, you're just adding more complexity for your field operation and um and from the home station i just operate 100 watts just to be you already have an advantage with a in, in my case a beam on 20 meters so so there's that advantage and I don't need to add any more insult to injury to the participants and running full legal power. But are there guys and people that do that? Yeah. And I think it could be an ego thing. But for the spirit of it, just go with what it's, you know, intended for. And uh, but uh, for me, I would go with, uh, you know, uh, exciter power or, you know, 100 watts and uh a basic antenna, just basically the same way I would do setting up out in the field. So summer field day where everyone's running pretty much a hundred Watts and wire antennas. And we should do the same at the home station, but we can't control everybody. Yeah, that's right. I just want to get your idea with that. I know both sides that feel a certain way. That's Mm -hmm. why, you know, the tune up was created. The fallout was created to kind of not level the playing field, but to make it less full, if you will. Mm -hmm. I want to thank John Amadeo for coming on Sunday. We started doing a Sunday um, show and um, Sally and Lou for talking about that special event that's coming up in March. It was crazy. I want to play a little fast clip here. If you've missed it, my interview with John Amadeo, I'll play a little piece here for you. You can find this at the YouTube channel. Do a search for 100 Watts and a Wire and uh, you'll see the interview there with John Amadeo. Here's a clip. Maybe you'll get this analogy. I worked at WMMR Philadelphia. We played two Grateful Dead songs, Sugar Magnolia, Touch of Grey, and we became known as the radio station that played the Grateful Dead. And really, it was just a little bit. And Mm -hmm. for you, I wonder if you'd talk about the little bit 
of ham radio that went into last man standing what that meant to this community oh absolutely um i guess the funny part of it is to oh, this was a fun part. who's that coming from <laughs> I don't know. He oh i know what that is side, but uh, it's, it's on my side i can tell you what it is if okay. i can figure out how to shut it off Live. and i'm going to have to go off camera for just a minute do your thing Bear with well, me. If you're just joining you us, sure, that's all funny. good. This is perfect. It's live. Now you know it's perfectly live. Uh, it's Christian. Welcome to the channel. If it's your first time, we're doing a 100 watts in a wire Sunday evening edition, brand new, talking to John, AA6JA, and you know him from Last Man Standing. And we're talking about how a little bit of ham radio, just a little bit of something injected into the mainstream can make it a whole lot. John, you were saying. Okay, so the most important thing to know is that I did not put ham radio in Last Man Standing, and I think I've told the story before. When I met Tim Allen for the very first day, and we talked about Mike Baxter, Mike Baxter being his character, we talked about him being, you know, a man's man. He's a, he owns or runs an enormous outdoor store. They have it's a gun, archery, camping, fishing, you know, hiking. And then Tim's character, Mike Baxter, was going to be a bit of a, a survivalist, maybe a little bit of a prepper. You know, he was going to have in his house a, a bomb shelter that had uh, canned foods and a generator and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then Tim said, and, and I would have radio equipment. And I, and, I, and I went, you know, ham going, huh? Radio equipment. And Tim said, you know, ham radio. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I know ham radio very well. And as it turns out, Tim had gone to a local Southern California radio store and he had looked at radio equipment. Um, he didn't buy anything at the time, and I don't know why, but he didn't. Um, but I said, well, if, if you want your character to be a ham radio operator, I can certainly hook you up. Well, you know, anybody in your, in your <laughs> in the, viewing this podcast would know that that's a golden opportunity to get a major celebrity hooked up with ham radio because Tim wanted the equipment, but he also wanted to get his license. So um, we made that happen. You know, we uh, called a few manufacturers, and luckily for me, Ray Novak at ICOM answered the call and uh, provided us with the equipment. Pretty much every every season, we've had the newest and greatest uh, ICOM gear on the stage and made Tim's character fictitiously KA0XTT, which is a experimental call sign that we're allowed to use on television. And then after a couple of years, I think only three, Tim took his test and got his real license. So that all worked out well. As far as putting ham radio on the TV, um, it's, there's a lot of ham radio if you know what you're looking for, and it's, but it's mostly in the background. It's real equipment that's on the air, hooked up the antennas, you know. But then there's also like, if you look in Tim's home office, there's a whole collection of vintage microphones in the background, right? And there's scenes where Tim or Nancy will come walking out holding a magazine. It's usually a QST or a CQ magazine. And the hams see it and they notice it. And I think they're pretty excited about it. Um, the home audience, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But it was really a lot of fun. And then I tried to educate the writers to ham radio and a couple did answer the call. And there's four, at least four incidences of actual on the air ham radio use on the show throughout the years. It's not a lot. It's a tiny little nod to ham radio, but it's a lot of fun. And I think that, uh, the viewers have been pretty much excited about at least those episodes and all the little references that we put into ham radio over the years. So, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> yeah, check out the full interview at 100 Watts in a Wire, the YouTube channel, and uh, do a search for Sunday night. You'll see the interview with John, 
Amadeo. Now, Steve has brought some props. We're talking about neck control, things like that. Mm -hmm. He's known for his work with Ham Nation and then the 100 watts and a wire um, net, at least since 2015. Uh, Steve, what got you started into nets? And let's just go ahead and open it up and see what we can figure out about how to get stronger. What started is with our local clubs, you know, that I've been involved in. And uh, we would have uh, every Tuesday night, we would have a, uh, a local two meter net on Simplex. And uh, basically, it uh, we just passed it around. Okay, this week, you're going to be the net control operator. And the following week, someone else was. And it, it just kind of went around and uh, we had a script and uh, and started off with that. And that's, I think, is a great, you know, great way to start because you already know the people you know in your club and uh it's pretty well limited so you know doing that um got it made it real easy just to kind of venture off in into hf where the my audience was bigger <laughs> but it's uh, it's still a little intimidating and stuff and but it's it's not as you know bad as you think it is and uh it, it's a good way to get practice, especially on HF. If you want to be, I, I think, a you know, a better operator and you want to have some more enjoyment or you want to get involved in, uh, in MCOM or even contesting, being an HF net control operator is a great way to hone your skills, your listening skills and trying to pull, you know, calls out. And then when you have a lot of people in there trying to, you know, wade through all the, the QRM and trying to get to the person that you're trying, you know, that you you've concentrated on and trying to make the contact with. So it's uh, a lot of benefits. It's not that hard and you don't need a big station. I started off as a little pipsqueak and especially on ham nation. When I started it, it was, you know, basically a, a simple radio and a let's simple see it. I know you have it there. Let's see what you got. Let's go to uh, Steve's oh, first. Uh, so here's, Here's the radio I've I started doing net controls with on Ham Nation was just a Yesu 847 20 plus year old radio, and um, you know it wasn't it wasn't what I got back here now, <laughs> and and the antenna was this, just a Carolina Wyndham, just an off center fed dipole for years, I on 20 meters and it just it went that's how I started and. Uh, it wasn't, you know, I didn't go from zero to hero uh, in, you know, overnight. It it took a little bit. And um, uh, granted, uh, there was, uh, you know, propagation was, was pretty good. So I was able to do it. Sorry about that. I just put it down at my feet. It was, um, it, it, it just kind of evolved. And just there was days that it just didn't work. There was other days I worked out great. Now, I was fortunate on the ha on the Ham Nation side. I had a another net control that I worked with Bill K5LN and he was in Texas. And so the two of us kind of worked together just like we do on a hundred Watts and a wire. Mm -hmm. And, um, cause the diversity, because there was guys I would hear Bill wouldn't hear and, um, people that were close to Bill, I would hear them. And then we just kind of bounced off or I relayed for him. And, and that's a great way to, to start off is join in with an existing net or, mm -hmm. Or like, you know, if you want to come and join us and um, and relay because there, people that are close to me, I don't hear because it's just uh, they're not my cone of silence, basically. And then um, but 
you will hear them and you can relay them. It's like, Hey, you, you make the contact and that's a great way to kind of, to get in there, get involved. And then it's just really easy. It's just uh, go along. Each net kind of has its own personality or way they do things and then bring your, your personality and your style of operating into it and liven it up. And, uh, you know, just, you know, my way is not the only way or Christian's way. How we do it is, you know, we kind of do it our way, but every net's unique and, but, you know, get out there. It's a great way to, you know, just hone your skills and be a better operator and go out and have fun. That, as long as you remember you're having fun with it, go for it. It's, uh, you'll get a lot of enjoyment. I'll tell you, one of the things that even to this day that I get excited about is working brand new hams, especially ones that are just upgraded or brand, brand spanking new. And I've had that pleasure to work brand new people. I've had people, they got their license. They've had their radio. They've been waiting and waiting to get on the air. And then here comes Ham Nation Net, and I'm the first guy they've talked to. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's so great and so cool from my point of view because they go, I, it's a friendly voice. They're nervous. And you get a lot of self-satisfaction out of that, helping bring the new blood into the hobby. And uh, so. And, you know, they're, they're not necessarily pile-ups. I mean, our net does a pretty good job but when it when things are good we we got a steady flow mm -hmm. but the the temperament of it isn't like you're running a contest so you don't have to be freaked out about it just pick the signal out you can hear work the guy mm -hmm. everybody's pretty patient with things but i think it does help you if you do get into contesting or you do get into you know you build up this sort of cadence to and it, you can certainly learn by listening to nets too you listen to you know, how they take the check-ins, how it goes, what what's sort of their format. And some of them are very, you know, I've heard the MCOM ones. I heard a guy one night do a shelter-in-place net. They have one here in Illinois across the bridge. And it's very specific. You know, there's not it's, it's not a lot of stuff going on here. It's you're checking in, you're checking out. You're in, you're out. And then I heard a guy on another one of these sort of um, Aries nets that that got a little chatty. And he was mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, and then I started thinking. And then the guy, the net control had to kind of, you know, net control is a net control. You know, you have to kind of mm -hmm. take control of the situation. And the guy thanked him for his comments, but said that's not really appropriate at this time, you know, to open it up and be like, hey, buddy. And I talked to Tim on Saturday and we were hanging out. Uh, our net's not like that. Our net is more conversational. It's more laid back take a couple minutes, say hello, get people in and out. But uh, it can make you a better operator by listening to the mm -hmm. nets. And you get to, you know, really work your equipment. And uh, you get to know what, how your equipment operates and what filters you can do and, you know, shifting the IF, cutting back the bandwidth. There's, there's a number of things you can do. Uh, what to do with someone that's off frequency, like they're using an older radio and they're maybe a few hundred hertz off frequency and they they sound Donald Ducky or something. You can you can use your clarifier or RIT depending on the radio you have. That way you can, you know, move your receiver onto them without changing your transmitter. You you get to really work your radio and uh and it helps out. And it, and I think it just makes you a, a, a better operator um overall. Yeah. So, yeah, the, every net is different. They all have their structure. They all have some are really, really formal and, 
you got to check in to the net control or check out. Others are, you know, informal like ours. You know, we're just pretty informal and just kind of go along and and you and you get a feel for it. You know, the person that I like to engage. I like to get chatty and uh, and then others, they just want to check in, check out. And it's like, okay, cool. That, that's fine. And finding that balance and, and going along and just, uh, it's the same as, you know, operating. There are guys out there. They, they don't want to rag you. They just want to have, have you in the, in their logbook and says, yep, we made a contact and, uh, that's it. Yeah, hi, bye. Yeah. The, the weather here is so-and-so or my rig is so-and-so and bit of bang, bit of boom. Thank you, ma'am. And off you go. And others want to, you know, they want to talk about whatever. So, yeah, I often tease uh, Steve and Ian. Ian is in Georgia, and Ian's very, it's very structured, and he's in and out. He's only operating for, you know, a little less than an hour, so he's he's got his own way. Mm -hmm. um, and then you turn it over to Steve. By the time you get to 8 o'clock Central Time, an hour later, Steve's coming to the graduation. He wants to know what color you've painted the barn. You know, it's, he opens it up and it's a, it's an inclusive, friendly, open discussion. Um, and me, I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, I'm somewhere and we talk about the it's efficiency and trying to, uh, to talk about it to the people a little bit to get to know how they're doing. And then, you know, so it, it is kind of your own deal. I would, I would encourage people to check out our nets and at least check into them and see that it's at least a, a friendly place where people are, you know, will wait patiently. We've got a guy who checks into our net almost every week. He's 80 years old. His name is Phil. I love to talk about him. He's got half of his antenna down. He, he's, um, he's near Boston. And Steve and I want to take a road trip to help him get this antenna back on the air. But we've got this pandemic and we're waiting that out. But he's, you know, we'll say, let's let Phil in here. Let's let Phil talk. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. he'll invite me to Easter dinner. Oh, my God, Christian. And it's uh, come over and eat the kielbasa. And, and he's going and the on. Uh, and brokies and everything. It's yeah. the whole nine yards. He's the sweetest man. And he checks in. And everybody just waits through it. Because you, you understand that this is the kind of net where, you know, that respect is going to an 80 year old man with half of his antenna laying on the ground, but he's still managing to get out. We pass him around. We try to send him out to where Steve is, which is, you know, pretty, that's a haul. It's a haul for me, but you know, so I think getting on a net that's maybe, I don't know. Do you think it's better to get on one that has a pretty strict structure to get the pattern down or is it better to maybe I get think in that one? helps. I, I, th I think, you know, getting on your, uh, if you're really having, you know, struggling with it and it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say or how I'm going to do it. I don't have a big station and, uh, it doesn't matter. It, uh, I mean, it, your station, if you don't have to have a big station, I did it. It's, you can do it. And, um, and so you don't hear everybody, you don't work the whole US or the world, but you work that part. And then in concert with others, geographically spread out, it, it works out. But get involved with your local club. I mean, every club has a net, whether it's going to be on a repeater or a simplex net, just it's once a week. And uh, usually the local club ones are pretty local, you know, they're pretty short, maybe an hour or something like that. You run, you, you you go through the script, you take the check-ins, depending mm -hmm. on how it is, um, whether it's through a repeater or, or simplex. 
And then you just kind of get comfortable and then you kind of come along under the HF world. And even if, you know, you don't want to be the net control, you can always act like a relay for us. I mean, I'm always right. love when someone say, Hey, relay or helps me spot somebody or, uh, I, I mean, I, I get the advantage, you know, Christian does it to me is I'm, I'm trying to pull out a call. And then next thing I know, here's my phone, the text goes off and it's like, Oh yeah, that's the guy's call. <laughs> And, uh, and then finally I can, you know, settle down the, the pile up there a little bit and then, you know, work the person. So it helps. And it's, uh, it's so, yeah, come and join us, please. I would love to have you here and, uh, and, uh, and get out there and, and chat and become a better operator in my opinion. So Wednesday at seven o'clock central time, we stream it here as well. And then again, Sunday evening at seven o'clock central time. Two nets, HF nets. We actually had one on a digital side. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll return to this conversation here. We're going to head into two stories and catch up on some of the news. We'll be right back after this. Friends, we all have a busy life, families, and things we need to take care of. So it's important that you can see a programming schedule. And because of this, you can go to 100 Watts in a Wire now and see the programming schedule. That is all the offerings that are happening. Yes, you can go to YouTube, check out our channel, subscribe and click the notification bell, but then you're notified when we post something new or if we're streaming live, like in the moment. If you like to schedule your life, and many people do, sometimes life won't leave you alone. So visit the website 100wattsandawire.com, click the programming schedule tab, scroll down, see what's happening on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then you'll be in tune with what's going on. You can plan accordingly. We love to live stream. I love to have you there. This way you can see what's going on. 73 and back to the show. This is the part of the show where we uh, take a pause here to pick two stories out of this week's radio news. And I'm joined by my friends at Amateur Radio Newsline, my colleagues there. Karen, KD2GUT, and Paul, WD9GCO. And Karen, wow. we start with a little bit of sad news. Just a note here, we had in incredible timing to mention this story last uh, last week. And then sadly, new news. Can you catch us up? Yeah, this is the kind of report we don't like to give. Um, you may remember uh, the oldest amateur radio operator in Sweden, Taga Carlson. He passed away. He is a silent key. Uh, literally days after we shared his story with uh, viewers here and on Amateur Radio Newsline. What a run he had. What a run he had. But I remember getting the email and uh, literally gasped. Uh, you, sometimes there are stories that just stay with you that really get under your skin. And his image was projected behind me. I felt like he he exemplified what we all want to be. So let's remember him and be glad we have a model like a 100-year-old OM. God bless him. Uh, he was very much loved and uh, the folks in Sweden are going to miss him. And yes, he was active, very active in a uh, net, much like you've been talking about, Christian. Well, that's great. And a sad story to deliver, but what a life. I mean, that's all we can say is what a life. And he was hamming yeah. to the end. Yes, he was. Where do, 
where do we start this week, Karen? What do, what do we bring to the table that people should really be thinking or know about? Okay, we move this morning to India, to West Bengal, uh, to the amateur radio club there. Uh, this particular club, in fact, was the inaugural recipient of uh, Newsline's uh, International Newsmaker of the Year Award. Good guys, good guys. Uh, they run on a shoestring. They've got literally no budget. Uh, they run on energy and devotion. Um, they are doing a lot of MCOM, of course, with the weather conditions being what they are in India. They've got a lot on their plate. But one of the things they do in MCOM, which is not as commonplace here, although we do see it occasionally in the States, is missing people. In India, people go missing quite a bit, particularly the elderly, uh, those who may be a bit mentally challenged. They go, they just go missing. And this club is very often contacted by the authorities to track down families and get everybody back together. This is stuff happens. This week, we are reporting about, uh, I guess we called it uh, a kind of DXing. <laughs> which it is, but without radios, they found out or they helped uh, bring to light the fact that a man found disoriented on the street wandering about uh, is a citizen of Australia, a man of Indian origin uh, that owned property in India, which is probably why he was there, although we don't know, but he needs to go back home to Australia uh, they sometimes do their good work without so much as an HT in their hand, but whether radio facilitated this reunion or not, what they do exemplifies the spirit of amateur radio, which is to get in there and do what needs to be done. And much of what they do, whether during the pandemic, it means delivering medicines to people, which they also do, or this kind of reunion, is pretty remarkable. So we have this story, uh, talks about uh, really the huge effort they made, the huge effort they made to get everybody back together. It's going to involve a lot of moving pieces. There are Australian officials in India that have had to be contacted to try to locate the family uh, back in Oz. And I expect they will be successful. What do you think, Paul? This this club does amazing things. I mean, we get these stories all the time where they've found some family member who disappeared, went off wandering, and this club coordinates getting them back all the time. I mean, they do amazing work, which is one of the reasons why we all agreed to give them that award last year, because it, it's just way above and beyond uh, ham radio what they do and they use radio to do it so i mean it really is a positive side of what we do and what kind of an impact we can have on the community we'll stay with you for story number two what do you what did you find this week that's interesting well you know we all have had problems where we've moved a cable around and suddenly you stop hearing things or we accidentally break a connection outside or do something it's not usually that big a deal. You go in the garage and grab another piece of coax, you put a couple of PL259s on, and you're good. That doesn't work so well when you're on the ISS. 
Um, there was a school that was scheduled to have a contact, and they worked up the telebridge stations and everything. Uh, for those that don't know, sometimes, depending on when the pass is going to be, sometimes a local ham will set up an actual station at the school. Otherwise, they will find some ham in another part of the world where the ISS will have a clear pass at that time, and they'll do the actual RF, and then they'll pass the audio on over phone lines. So that's what happened. And the uh, the station was an ON7. Uh, watched the tracking, and the ISS was coming up over the horizon and started calling, and nothing started calling, nothing. Pass went by, nothing. Kids were kind of disappointed because they'd all been up for this. And then they discovered that some maintenance up there, either the inside coax or the outside cable that connected to the actual antenna, something got damaged. And so for now, at least the brand new Kenwood that's up there from the uh, for the American side is offline. So if you haven't been hearing the repeater on passes and you haven't been getting the APRS stuff as it goes over, it's because there's a problem with the feed line and they can't talk. So they're going to try to talk to the Russian side, see if they can use that for now for some of the school contacts. In the meantime, they got to wait till they have time because the, the amateur radio is never really a priority on the ISS because they have you know, real science and stuff that they're doing. Not that we aren't, but you know what I'm saying. So hopefully they can figure that out or, you know, have somebody make up a couple new cables and send them up with the next supply flight. So we, haven't, is, oh, we haven't got an update yet from Harris on that. No, we haven't. Karen, as a as the editor of Amateur Radio Newsline, is it possible to send Paul there with as a correspondent? I think he would do it, and he could probably get this thing jumped up. Uh, we actually uh, have been talking about that, Paul. We were going to break the news to you. Uh, you leave got, Monday. I've got, I've got cable and we'll leave Monday. Soldering iron. Pack your toothbrush. You're going I'm there. <laughs> By the way, I think I I know a way they can get back on the air very quickly. We did have another story. Uh, it ended this week's newscast talking about how the Russians ran out of food because uh, the supply wow. transport was delayed. I think they should barter. Uh, we'll give you this sandwich if we can have your radio. Give a little bit of time on your radio. We'll, we'll give you some yeah. food, maybe a little vodka. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that would bring it right around pretty quick. Absolutely. You can't get a curbside pickup up there. No. Well, thank you both so much. Appreciate those stories. And, uh, Take care of yourself. We'll do this again next week. You can leave your comments uh, below. You can leave them in the chat. We'd like to hear what you're thinking. My thanks to Karen, Katie, to GUT, and Paul, uh, WD9GCO from Amateur Radio Newsline, 73, guys. 73. Let's take a minute to talk about what I feel is the most beneficial deal in ham radio today. It's when you become a sustaining member of 100 watts in a wire. Here's how it works. When you donate $25 or more, you will become a sustaining member for a year. And during that year, you get discounts from participating businesses. It's a win-win-win. The show gets your support. You get the discounts, a little more money in your pocket for your next project. And those businesses can earn your trust. Visit 100wattsandawire.com. Click the Sustaining Membership tab to learn how you can support the content you enjoy. And thanks. All right, brothers and sisters, here we are. We are uh, joined. What happened to Tim? We don't see Tim's face. 
Oh, Tim. Oh, I don't see Tim must have fallen off. Some, uh, computer issues. So. What do you think about running out of food up there in oh, space? Oh, that sucks. Can you imagine? That sucks. Like, yeah, take all the radios. Just can I get some graham crackers? Can I have a little bit of that? Uh, that's interesting. And we lost the old the old timer that we just featured yeah. last week. That's kind of um, it's a highlight of this week, but I'm glad, uh, not so proud, but I'm happy that we took the time last week to highlight him. To recognize him, yeah. To recognize what he's uh, done his whole time. And lo and behold, this week he passed away. But what a life to live, you know, that long and to play ham radio. Got a guest this week from uh, Com Academy. We're going to talk to Tim. Hey, good morning, Tim. It's Whiskey hey, Tango Tim. 1. India, Mike, you hear us okay? Are you having some Wi-Fi? I, yeah, a little bit of Wi-Fi issues, but okay. hopefully you can hear me okay. Yes, uh, great to be with you, uh, Christian and Steve. Um, happy to be nice on. Nice to have you here. I'm excited about this because we were talking last year. You had something in mind, what was going to be happening on this program. I'm going to share my screen now. I think I can do this without... Uh, and, and talk a, a little bit about what you guys are up to. Here's the website, guys, and I'll put this uh, email address, uh, not email address, the web uh, address in the chat here. Tim, tell us about this program and what you guys are cooking up. Yeah, so uh, we're really excited this year. Com Academy is actually in about its 20th year now, but uh, until now, it was a local event in the Seattle area. Um, drew some regional participation, but it, it didn't have an online component in the past. This year, we realized we can't do an in-person event let's uh, make lemonade out of the lemons here, go fully online, and we can have a, you know, an audience that's nationwide, if not global, and get a lot of folks who might be interested in emergency communications and uh, radio technique, net control. That was, I love the theme of today's show. Uh, I've been a net controller myself quite a bit and, and just love it. But anyway, it's entirely free. Uh, th that's the best thing about it. Uh, it doesn't cost you a penny. Um, you can sign up and it's two days of workshops about various aspects of uh, preparedness, uh, communication, technical stuff, uh, procedural stuff. Um, and uh, I think, you know, everybody who's been in the past has, has, has pretty much raved about it. And uh, I think that uh, a lot of folks might really enjoy uh, this kind of training. I, I mean, I love MCOM. Steve's right in your neighborhood. He's not too far away from, from this. And he was familiar with the program. As soon as I mentioned it, he was familiar with what you guys are oh, doing yeah. on the local. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you think it's, it's needed now? I mean, I know over the 20-year course, and you may or may not have been there for the full 20 years, looking at 2021, what are some of the themes that really should be addressed in emergency communications? Yeah, a good example is um, there's going to be a presentation this year that uh, uh, is from some folks who did something called Oregon Internet Response. And in, uh, in the aftermath of some of the wildfires, there were communities that were completely cut off um, from any Internet connectivity. And a group of folks, uh, mostly, if not all, hams went down and set up temporary connectivity where the, uh, the telecom companies couldn't or wouldn't even go and uh, got these communities back uh, online, um, which clearly is a lifeline. What that says to me is that things, uh, the scope of what we need to be able to do as emergency communicators has gone beyond just uh, picking up a mic or a key, um, knowing things like how to do TCP IP networking um, is a really valuable skill to have as part of uh, 
you know, disaster communications. Um, we are fortunate in the Seattle area to have something called HamWAN, which is a multi-megabit uh, data network um, that we can access over five gigahertz ham spectrum. So that's an example um, where I think it's it's everything that you know that we've known about for years about uh, good communications practices and messaging protocols and stuff like that. But some of the technologies that are changing these days. Uh, like I said, change the scope of what we what we need to be good at as uh, responders. Do you guys study at all? I, I'm into I'm on the Aries team here, and I love studying HF. And I sound like an old dinosaur. I'm I'm into simplex, and I'm into studying HF. And it's sort of the backup for the backbone. Do you guys yep. have any of that in your program at all? Or is all the focus sort of the front line? Because I imagine you don't have a lot of time to teach everybody. So you need to kind of focus on the front line. Uh, what's the focus in your program? Yeah. So, so the, uh, the theme this year is disasters here, there, and everywhere. Are we prepared? And so that is, it's covering everything. There's a, um, there's going to be a presentation on uh, how the ICS structure works and, and who it's uh, applicable to, to a couple of guys that actually did safety and comms for Burning Man um and uh and and many other things so yes hf is is often covered as part of the uh, uh as part of the trainings you know we got to be good with all the tools in the toolkit and hf is mm -hmm. absolutely one of them um so uh so yeah you're gonna see you're gonna see training over those two days on uh, almost i can't quite say every corner of the hobby uh but quite a quite a range how are you guys funded, Tim? How are you doing this? It's free. How, how in the world are you managing to pay for this? This is uh, volunteer funded. Um, and uh, we, we this is a lot of people involved in something that's a labor of love. And uh, um, that's the spirit of ham radio, if uh, if I ever heard it. Right. So um, we uh, we have some uh, some amount of sponsorship, but primarily it's uh, it's just hams helping hams. What do you need? I mean, what do you need to make this happen? I, I guess in the virtual sense, you probably are pretty stable and you can figure out the technology that, I mean, you're, you're in a great place for the, the tech side of it with great minds behind you. But when you do something like this, do you do it in person when it's not in a worldwide pandemic? Do you do it in person yeah. teaching? Yeah. Yeah. So every other Com Academy has been an in-person event. Um, and, uh, so, you know, then we needed really what we need is just um, what we've got. What we're very happy to have is uh, commitment and focus and energy um, from the folks that are presenting. So the way it's going to work this year, by the way, is kind of fun. The, the uh, presentations are all going to be pre-recorded, but then at the time that they air on April 10th and 11th, uh, the presenters will be live doing chat and Q&A and stuff like that. So everybody will have a chance. It's like the best of both worlds. They're presenting and they're able to like answer questions while they're talking there on the screen. So oh, that's uh, perfect. That'll be kind of fun as well. Steve, you, you're up there. You're a first responder. You're a volunteer firefighter. Any questions for Tim and about this program? You guys are up there in the same area, basically. Oh, yeah. No, I've known about it. Uh, even when I lived on the west side, it's been... Uh... It's been great, and uh, it's uh, it, it's I've watched it every year. I've had you know, you know, people from where I work at uh, that have gone to Common Academy, you know, to support our you know company ARES, 
team and they just come back and everyone raves about it. It's been uh, kind of this uh, little local thing we've had in the Northwest and uh, it's just gotten better and better every year. And then now you've you know, taken it to the next step and uh, you've taken it virtually, which I'm kind of thinking even when we get back to normal that you're going to end up uh, probably continuing it because uh, yeah. it's, it, just the response that you're going to get from nationwide, even worldwide. Now you've opened it up to a worldwide audience. Um, it's uh, going to help. And on top of it, you're going to expand the, uh, you know, your pool of uh, presenters. And uh, it's just going to go, you know, bigger and better from there. It's uh, It's been a, a kind of a local secret here. We've been kind of <laughs> hoarding it ourselves here in the Northwest. So, but thanks for, for going online, Tim. It's it's great. Yeah. You know, and I think, Steve, I think you're absolutely right that uh, I I don't anticipate us ever not being online uh, from this point forward. It just makes sense. Right. So uh, the learnings that we have from this year uh, will carry forward. And uh, I imagine it'll be a hybrid event down the road. Um, And that's, that's really fun. And that's kind of exciting to think about as well. Okay, so we shared the website there. We put it in the chat. I hope that some people that are with us here this morning and even watching it down the road will check it out because we've still got a little bit of time. Uh, but April will be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you as you plan these out, and like Steve said, you're going out worldwide now. Different areas have different problems uh, from wildfires to heavy storms and those sorts of things. Um do you think there's an aspect of sort of assessment and mitigation uh, at the root that can help in a, in a universal or, or a sort of transcontinental uh, a type of approach to MCOM? Yeah. You, you know, I think that it's a, it's a blend of there are certain aspects of it that are going to be kind of universal to whatever the scenario is. Um, the I think one of the one of the really important things is understanding where you fit in. Um, it's mm-hmm. our role as communication support to complement what the uh, you know the the agency response teams need and what they're doing, and not go in and kind of throw our weight around and be the experts and in, in everything, but to understand how we dovetail and mesh with what those agencies are doing and what they need, and so. There are commonalities to that, no matter what the disaster is. But um, but you're absolutely right that you know the, the, some of the technical aspects to how you respond in one kind of event are going to be very different from another kind of event. You know, in some sort, some kinds of events, you'll have fairly free access to put up antennas and put up gear and stuff wherever you need to. Other ones you won't. So um, yeah, so there's a lot of different. Um, we're going to have folks uh, presenting from responses to a variety of different things from wildfires to earthquakes, uh, et cetera, storms. Uh, You kind of named some of the big ones. Um, And so adaptability is really key, but also best practices tend to be best practices. You know, your best practices for how to do voice messaging or how to do data messaging, how to interface between the radio communicators and the non-radio folks that need to get traffic through. Um, a lot of those fundamentals are kind of carry across uh, different kinds of disasters. Do you have issues with, especially in the ham world, I, I get a mixed bag, you know, and if you're with a local Aries 
team, it probably has its own issues, its own politics. When you talk to your ham friends and learning about MCOM, what's the vibe you get? I, I think it's very important here stateside, of course. I also think that MCOM, as it relates to us here in our country, may be getting stronger on an international scale because some places don't have the infrastructure that we have. Um, what's the, you know, so I think that MCOM can really play a big role that what we know now, taking it to other places, our country's getting stronger with Wi-Fi, these sorts of things. So the ham vibe I get on the, not the negative side, but the sort of, is MCOM even needed anymore because we've got this great cell phones thing and we've been through some disasters where the Wi-Fi and the networks of hell. I know we, we hold this as a when all else fails kind of deal, but they have strength in some areas of communication, a lot of digital email. What do you get back in terms of, say, research and input into MCOM here on the stateside? Yeah, that's a really good question, Christian, because um, the, the main infrastructure uh, is getting more and more resilient uh, in, in this country um, and, uh, you know, probably a lot of Western Europe and a lot of parts of the world. It's becoming quite resilient and all else isn't going to fail as often as maybe might have been the case in the past. And, uh, and so I think, I think there's an aspect uh, of it that uh, you hit on where um, being able to uh, take what we know and, and travel to other parts of the world. And it's not necessarily other countries. There was a huge response in Puerto Rico after uh, Hurricane Maria, as I'm sure you know. Um, so that, that was part of our country, but, uh, but all else kind of did fail for a while there. Um, but, uh, but that's where that diversity of capabilities, where it's, you know, if we go in there and we know how to set up uh, networking, IP networking, even if it's going over commercial lines, even if it's not going over ham radio technology, if we say, hey, we've got some folks that, that understand routing and switching and whatnot and get you guys up, then that's valuable. Um, understanding how to do clean, clear messaging protocols, even if it's going over a cell phone, is still a valuable skill. So, um, so yeah, you know, there, there's a place for the volunteer in MCOM even if it doesn't look exactly like what it might have looked like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Steve, I saw you give a head nod and a little smirk there with, and maybe that was oh, a yeah. little because of the, the way we think sometimes as hams and the conversations you have, uh, what were you going to, what were you thinking at least? Well, it's uh, just kind of reliving a, a few things. So Tim and I, we kind of have, we know, what happens when we have windstorms and how Western Washington is really susceptible to, you know, large power outages mm -hmm. and working for the utility, you know, been there, we've had lines down and we've been down for days. In some cases, people are out for a week or two. And I was going back to the, I think it was the Hanukkah day storm or I think that's what we called it, where we lost 85% of the substations and for the utility and we were down for days. And what ended up happening is the cell phone inf infrastructure started fail failing because they just didn't have the battery backup. And then it just created more chaos. And uh, and what Tim's pointing out is, yes, it uh, we, you know, ham radio, the traditional ham radio is not going to play uh, come into play too much. But, you know, setting up IP links with ubiquity radios like the Hamwan guys are doing or uh, getting that going. Uh 
in the case of uh, the large fires, the infrastructure is destroyed because a lot of the infrastructure is riding on fiber and uh, and the power is down. If you only have so much backup power, but if your if your fiber infrastructure is out of whack, it's you're going to have loss of connectivity. The other thing, and we've had this happen in Washington State and Oregon, is and it wasn't a disaster, so to speak. But it was a fat finger with someone in the telephone company making a change on a router. There goes the whole 911 system. And now no one can call into the 9, you know, they dial 911 and it goes nowhere. And that has happened multiple times. And um, so this is a a great place uh, to where if your local ARES team has a plan and and co- and have that cooperation. And this, it all comes back down to the people skills and being part of the team and what can we offer to help but in the case if a 911 system goes down and it's going to be down for a while deploy to a local fire station or something like that and out in the rural areas all fire stations are not manned it's we're you know our country is you know 75% of our firefighters are volunteers throughout this nation and so most fire stations are unmanned or because it's held by volunteers. But if a local ARES group got together and said, hey, the 911 system went down, you go to a, a fire station and, and be there. And then, uh, you know, local radio stations or can make a uh, or even a amber alert on the cell phone network uh, could go out and say, if you have an emergency and, and 911 doesn't work go to a local fire station, there will be someone there to relay the message. And these are things that, you know, we can do as ham operators. we got to be flexible. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, we have a lot that we can offer, but also, and as Tim pointed out, the infrastructure is gotten resilient, but it's, you know, and for a person that works in it, uh, it still has times when it can fail. And that's where we need to, you know, we can be there. Um, we won't always be there for uh, disasters and things like that, but occasionally it will happen. And the in the you know, the communities down in Oregon, that this is a perfect place. You know, when you started talking about getting IP infrastructure, uh, HamWam, that was the first thing I started thinking about. But it doesn't have to be on amateur frequencies. Just setting up some ubiquity shots on uh, knowing that and, and knowing microwave propagation and and what you can do in setting up relay stations knowing tcp ip that is a valuable asset and it can get enough you know it might not be the a big you know 100 megabits worth of data but you know one or two megabits worth of data is enough to get things going so it's uh we need to expand our horizon hf is great but you know we we have other frequencies we can work with well, the uh, website is on your your screen right now. It is comacademy.org. I put a link in the chat. It's free, guys. It's free. Uh, my thanks to Tim for stopping by and Thank uh, you, Tim. talking to us about this. And good luck with the program. I hope we can put a little wind in your sails uh, as, you, as you start to promote it and get out and make some noise here in the ham radio media. I hope it's a full thing for you. And uh, I'll try to drag Steve there if we can get in there and... and uh, and participate that'd be great but thank you so much tim awesome thanks so much and uh great to be on and uh we're very excited 
as we get closer, keep me posted what's happening, any changes, anything like that. And uh, we're interested you to report it. the numbers and things like that. Uh, yeah, take care. 7-3, sure. yeah. Tim. 7-3, Tim. Thanks. Appreciate you. Desktop tuners are one of the most popular ham radio accessories. LDG has just come out with the Z100A desktop tuner, and it works with all modern HF radios like ICOM, Yesu, Alinko, Kenwood, and more. The Z100A has LDG's famous 10 to 1 SWR tuning range that matches dipoles, verticals, and fed long wires, G5RVs, or even an off-center fed Wyndham. Easy integration means plug-and-play operation. Installation could not be simpler. The Z100A's tuner goes everywhere with your HF radio. Desktop, portable, parks, islands, or tall summits. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing advanced quality products to the amateur market. Our focus is anticipating our customers' needs and providing them with world-class support. Don't forget, LDG products carry a full two-year, fully transferable warranty. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. LDG Electronics. Everywhere you look, there's an LDG. If you want to learn programming for Arduino so you can get your electronics project off the ground, then Programming Electronics Academy is the place to be. A membership gives you full access to a library of detailed video courses, including the Arduino course for absolute beginners. PEA has video courses designed for beginners that don't assume you already have a PhD in software design. If you're tired of just cutting and pasting code, visit programmingelectronics.com forward slash 100 watts. All right, before we move on, I'm going to bring in a, another friend here and talk about the spirit of radio. My thanks to Tim for coming by uh, for that Com Academy free things. I mean, holy cow. But I uh, want to say uh, a super chat. We got super chats now, right? And I didn't, uh, I'm not even seeing what's happening in the chat at the moment because everything's moving so quickly. Last week, Jay, Kevin, Steve, and Mark, Thank you, guys. Um, they gave to the show and supported the content they enjoy. So I appreciate you guys. And uh, in real time, I try to catch everything. But, you know, I often uh, I often don't get everything. Look at this. Talking about the spirit of radio today. Hello, Shane. Shane hey, is Kilo Shane. 5, Quebec, Bravo, Foxtrot. He sent me this really cool email probably a couple of weeks ago now. And I'm going to let him tell the story. We We came out a couple of weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago, talking about you know, the good side, the good side of ham radio. And you don't nearly see that enough. We do hear about the crap and it's all oh, this. And now I'm mad at this. And the league yeah, did this. And, and the negative always floats to the top. It always gets we, up to the top. Yeah. But, the, but the beauty down below is a story that like Shane has. So welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. So it was, uh, was one of those deals where I got licensed in 2006 and, Played around the hobby for a little while and got disinterested and kind of left the hobby. And then, of course, when the pandemic comes around and you have nothing else to do, I uh, started running into you guys and others on uh, social media. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe I should go ahead and upgrade to general. And uh, so I started studying for the test, took the general test, started having a ball on HF. And in my weekly conversation with my mom, I told her, I said, yeah, I upgraded my ham license. I'm playing on HF, having fun. She goes, well... I don't know if you know this or not, but your grandfather was a ham radio operator. And I had no idea at all. 
So uh, I said, well, do you have any information on it? Do you know anything? And she was, let me dig through some of the old stuff and we'll see what we can come up with. And she found a picture. I sent that over to Christian. Uh, she found a picture of my um, grandfather working his ham radio station. So got that over to me. And, and uh, I just joined the 100 Watts in a Wire Facebook group. And I sent the posted the picture and kind of the story of what was going on. Um, I applied for the vanity call and we figured out what my grandfather's call sign was and no one had it. So of course it took up 18 days, but uh, I got his vanity call sign. And so I sent the picture to the 100 Watts and wire guys. And I said, Hey, can any of you tell me anything about the radios that my grandfather was working? And uh, it took about two minutes <laughs> And uh, someone came back with a post and said, it's this, 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 and this. And I, and I was like, I was flabbergasted. I had no idea. And uh, about 20, 30 minutes later, I get a private message and a filtered message on Facebook from people that you're not friends with. And uh, so I went over and I clicked on it. And it was one of the guys from the Facebook group. And he said, hey, uh, I bought one of those radios in a lot sale from, from a real estate deal. And he said, if he said, I'm just going to send it to you. He said, it sounds like you, you know, if you want to make this part of your story and part of your history, he said, I know it's not the same, but at least it's something to associate with. So um, he sent it to me and I got it uh, about a week ago, I think, and uh, set it up. And, and so we've got, uh, I found a, a local ham here who works on, the uh, classic radios and stuff. And uh, so he's going to help me uh, get the, the radio back operational. And, uh, and we're hopefully it's a, it's only a receiver. It's a SX 99 Helicraft SX 99. And uh, so we're going to get that back to where we can at least receive with it. And then uh, kind of carry that on with uh, the things that I have. But I was just amazed at, at uh, how, how the community just, just jumps in and, and no matter what the topic is, everyone jumps in and wants to help. And I was uh, I was on Alex's stream, uh, Whiskey Seven Hotel Uniform, and was telling him kind of what was going on. And he asked me if I had any history of the call sign. And I told him, you know, I hadn't we hadn't looked into it. And he had a friend, of course, that researches old call signs, and he found where my grandfather first got licensed. And it was the uh, summer of 1958, and uh, in 1959, it showed up in the call book. So I have a copy of the page from the call book to go with the radio and all that kind of good stuff. So I kind of have a full circle. He was active from 1958 until about 1969. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of history, a lot of, you know, a lot of feel good. You know, there's a lot of negativity going on right now. And it was just phenomenal to, to run into a group that was just so willing. And they don't know me from anyone. And then they were like, no, I can help you with this and I can help you with that. And this is, and, and it brought it all together. And I really mm -hmm. do appreciate it. I hope the gentleman's watching that, uh, that sent me that radio. Cause I, I can't, I can't express to him how much I appreciate him reaching out and, and, uh, and doing that for me. It's this grandpa here. This is the radio that it is. Look at that. That's so that so was, cool. uh, we're, we think that was somewhere around 1960 mm -hmm. and, uh, that, so he was working. We don't. I don't know a ton, but uh, uh, one of the guys in the Facebook group told me what the transmitter was, but I forgot. I have to go back and look. But the transmitter is off to the left, and of course the receiver there in the center. And uh, there was the receivers what the what they sent me to go with it, and and it's in phenomenal shape. It just needs to be cleaned up and have some of the insides polished up. But I can't wait to, to switch it on. 
I mean, we got to talk about that just for like what floors me is I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for you that of your grandfather and the angle, you know, I think it's great. And your mom too. I think it's, um, it's another brings the family together. It, it gives her another chance to think of her father, which is something I, I appreciate anytime I can think about my father uh, is a great day. And I always appreciate those things. But then the community, we do take for granted that it's a lot of question and answers. And sure, we get a lot of people who love to know everything. And it's just like, I'll help you, kid. <laughs> but the fact that somebody picked up and boxed up something and sent it to you with the feeling that, you know, you could probably use this more than me. Mm-hmm. You know, that really is the spirit of, of radio. You know what I mean? They didn't know you from anybody. Yeah. You can't give any, you know what I mean? You can't, people don't give things away. People don't, people don't give things. Actually, what do you think, think about this, it, Steve? I think this happens more often than we know. It's, uh, it's just the nature of the hobby here. We're all in it together. It's this one commonality. It doesn't, it, and it transcends all geopolitical and uh, social standings or whatever. It, we're all in the same. It doesn't matter where we are we we're all in it in the hobby together and it just goes back and forth this passing it forward we talk about and uh and this is great i mean these are the stories i like to hear and the people that do it they don't want any attention they just they just do it and, the, and it's part of the spirit of uh keeping the hobby going and and to bring some you know incorporate uh you know your family into the hobby and and now it just has a different meaning to it you're you're taking your uh your grandfather's call and i see that a lot over you know uh, these van and the vanity calls was probably one of the best things we can we've had in the hobby here is that you can get a family member's call and continue it and uh because our call signs are us it's it's personal to and uh and for you you're you're Grand, your your grandfather's call is it's that much better and now you got a radio it's not the radio but it's something that your your uh your grandfather used and uh so it, this is great i love hearing stories like this just touching it knowing that as you as you're working the radio this is how your grandfather would have had to do this you know mm-hmm. there's something in that too the, the physicality of operating damn radio (laughs) (laughs) you know why do i have to wait for it to warm up (laughs) right why she drifts so much but it's great i love the picture and and the story i'm going to put this back up here because i just want to i just want to share what this it was such a a nice email that you sent me and it was one of those right right in the pocket sort of things Mm -hmm. Uh, the fact that you pull his call sign, you got his call sign, which is a great thing, by the way. I, I love that the FCC lets you do these things. And um, and then the giving aspect, just to kind of go ahead. You can use this more than me. It was sitting here. And that really is. That really is the spirit of radio. Shane, thanks so much, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. Put it on the air and let's uh, get you on the nets, get you back on the net. And if you need anything or have any questions, you know, Keep in touch and let us know how we can, how we can help. Well, the wire is up, so I can def- uh, definitely join you guys on the nets. But thanks for having me today. Right on. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Seven Green. three. Seven three, buddy. Let's take a minute to talk about what I feel is the most beneficial deal in ham radio today. It's when you become a sustaining member of 100 watts in a wire. 
Here's how it works. When you donate $25 or more, you will become a sustaining member for a year. And during that year, you get discounts from participating businesses. It's a win-win-win. The show gets your support. You get the discounts, a little more money in your pocket for your next project, and those businesses can earn your trust. Visit 100wattsandawire.com, click the Sustaining Membership tab to learn how you can support the content you enjoy. And thanks. Yes, indeedy. Oh, there's Stevie. There you go. There Stevie. We Look at this. <laughs> and talking about the spirit of radio just gets me all the clamps. I'm just, oh, he sent it. He boxed it up in a pandemic. You know, you don't think about mm-hmm. the trouble that that guy went through to double box. If he did it right, he double boxed it up for him and got Shane's gear. He took it to the post office, which is a huge. Or, or UPS or FedEx. UPS. And, uh, and, the, and the cost. Those those radios are not that light. <laughs> no. And it's not light. It's not easy and convenient. And it's a pandemic. And you're like, uh, you know, but he made it work. You know, he, he, he went through it, all so. that for this guy. And it's just great. So spirit of radio here, friends, as I have not been able to look in the chat at all. You can tell we've been really moving, but I'm, I'm happy that we're staying pretty close. And we're going to get to uh, questions here. I announced last week that in the spirit of radio, and I'm going to go to the chat now just to, to look in there and make sure everybody's doing okay. The spirit of radio, we're going to give away $100 to Main Trading Company. If you haven't been to the Main Trading Company website, it is like Candyland. You can get everything from lights from your deck, LED lights to like a 7610 and antennas. It's like this Candyland store. Like if I was near Paris, Texas, they would be like, dude, get, just get out. Like you It's Candy be- Mountain. It's just a, a, you go down to Paris. There it is. Candy Mountain. Just, yeah. Man, I'm like, wow, this is like really <laughs> cool. Anyway, besides all that, what you can get there, we got a $100 certificate. Um, we're going to give away four of these this month of February with the caveat of I want you to think about giving back. We talked about the spirit of radio with Shane, his great story. We talk about people, you know, you know, it, it's, it's a rough time still for many, many people. If you win it, cool. Use it any way you like to. But if you, uh, if, if you can find somebody else who may be able to use it and get them one step up, give them a hand up, cool. I'd love that to think that that's uh, something you're thinking about as you become a winner. Now, to become eligible, um, all you need to do is to be here each week. Put your call sign in the chat. So if you haven't done that yet, do it now. I will sit with my young daughters and we will start to gather the call signs. They get uh, assigned a number and then uh, it's a random drawing uh, for this. So that go ahead and put them in there now. If your name's in there this week, uh, you may be picked and announced next week. So we did this for the first time. I was excited. I love the fact that you give something like that. Money, cash, 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 take us cash. Everybody needs cash. And go buy something cool. This week's winner, you ready, Steve? I'm ready. Bring it down. All right. I've never seen this call sign before, but it's Kevin. Kevin. Hello, Yankee Four. Barbecue. Bravo. Quebec. <laughs> yeah, I want to say barbecue. And I want to say barbecue. I'm getting hungry. It's getting closer to lunch. <laughs> we, need, we need some food around here at Craft Services. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got our first winner, our $100 gift card. 
domain trading company and you can go to their website and just poke around. They've got deals. It's crazy. It's just crazy. And you think about stores that are actually still selling mm -hmm. gear, you know, but it's a, it's a trading company. So you can make deals. You can do all this stuff. I've never been in the doors physically, but I've been through that website and it, it's one of those rabbit holes. Oh, like, I can yeah, remember seeing them at eight. I need that. I, I think I need one of those. And all of a sudden you're, you're in it. But as far as ham gears, you know, it's a family business. Um, and Richard's a ham who, you know, owns the place with his wife. So you've got a lot of things to choose from. So check it out. But congratulations. I've, uh, I've seen them up in Dayton. They come up and do a, got their uh, booth going. And uh, I remember the first year the 7300 was out, uh, you know, the next Dayton, they had a stack of them. I remember seeing the stack of 7300s and they were gone by the end of uh, the uh, Hamvention. So it was, uh, it was great to see people Ooh, yeah, uh, picking good. up that product. Yeah, good on them. It's hard. It's hard yeah. times. And the fact that, uh, you know, everybody's got to put a little bit into the game. That's the thing. You mm -hmm. give a little bit of the money and it kind of keeps it, keeps it moving inside its own economy and these family owned businesses. I don't know the financials on this company at all, but you know, it's a family business in a small town that uh, that's all I really need to know. Uh, so supporting them and anything that, you know, in ham related is a good deal. I want to put the question form uh, in the chat here. If you've got a question about anything you've seen today, if you're new to the channel, welcome. We appreciate you poke around after you subscribe, click the bell. It lets you know where we, uh, when we're doing live streams, we're doing, I think four a week now, which is really cool. I enjoy it. I used to do radio five or six days, five hours a day. So it's kind of like in the blood for me, but, um, anyway, drop your questions in. And this is the time of the show where I ask, uh, people ask questions and we get in there and, and try to hammer out their issues. Oh, uh, let's see. Are you ready for this, Steve? Bring her on. All right, bring her on. <laughs> and you can find a playlist of all the questions that we uh, feature on the show mm -hmm. uh, on the YouTube channel. So go ahead and please subscribe there. Okay, Steve, we're going to start off with Matt. What different NVIS antennas exist and what are their pros and cons? Ooh, what of them exist i mean this is that that's a that's a trap True. right there matt but we can talk I, about the pros and cons of mvis or envis as you may hear it well an mvis antenna is most of the ones i've seen are just dipoles and pretty basic or uh or some form of it inverted v and uh, what it uh, what makes an mvis antenna is um how high it is and uh and that NVIS only works up to about 10 megahertz. So basically, you know, 160, 80, and 40, and 30, and, uh, 30 meters is pretty much it for, uh, for NVIS. So it's, a, it's a, in the low band as in the HF spectrum. We kind of, you know, have it uh, uh, 20 and above to 10 meters is kind of the upper part of HF, and uh, 30 and below is the lower part. So MVIS is, it works for that. So basically it's, uh, you know, 10, 15 feet off the ground, but the most common ones that I've seen is just a simple dipole that's up maybe 10 feet or a inverted V that's up, you know, 10, 15 feet. And, uh, there's been some, uh, vertical antennas that, 
uh, like a 20 foot whip you see with the military, they'll, they'll kind of fold it over on a, uh, on a, on a Humvee or, a, or a rig and just kind of have it bowed. And, uh, that kind of works in an MVIS, uh, uh, configuration also it's not just to keep the whip down from banging on the bridges and things mm -hmm. like that it also has an nvis property to it so uh but typically the most ones are going to be either the the dipole inverted v or that 20 foot some odd whip or whatever uh, on a mobile now some could say that almost every antenna is going to be in sort of an nvis configuration because it basically would be lower than the actual height that it should be for the frequencies mm -hmm. that you're working on. So in other words, you know, I, I like to go out and run at 25 feet, my portable operation. So Steve said 20 meters, you're not doing NVIS because I can work DX mm -hmm. at 25 feet on 20 meters, but you get to 40, you get to uh, 80, 80. 160 is an awful lot of wire to have that low to the ground. That's, but it's not, mm -hmm impossible but, but i studied 80 meters over the summer and had success locally just for emergency and, sort and of that's situations the pros on the nvis is gives you local communications because basically in a nutshell you're taking your signal and you're shooting it more vertically mm -hmm. to hit the ionosphere and then come back down instead of going out on a, a lower angle to for a dx so for NVIS, the pro is local communications. The con is no DX. But right. it, and so there, there's the pros and cons on uh, you know NVIS. Uh, so it, it comes down to what are you trying to accomplish, and uh, and then you adjust your antenna system to meet those needs. Okay, well done. Got another friend that says, I like the price point of the Yaesu FT891 paired with the Atlas 120A and have found positive reviews of both. My question is, what radio and antenna setup do you mobile with? I'm trying to keep to $1,000. Here we are again. Somebody got their Biden bucks or whatever mm -hmm. they got. $1,000. That's a nice budget. Talking about mobile radios. Are you a Yesu guy? Do you know much about the 891 and and where yeah, he is on this? Little portable radio, great for a mobile. That's a small size, and uh, and then I think the Atlas 120 is kind of like a screwdriver antenna, and uh, so you can work multiple bands. And so it, uh, if you can get it into a thousand dollars, I don't uh, off the top of my head don't know the price breakdown on uh, the radio or the uh, uh, the antenna if uh if it goes over the 1k you can go with hamsticks and uh they're cheap i mean they're you know 20 bucks or so for a, mm -hmm. for a hamstick and uh you can get now granted you'd have to if you change bands you got to stop and change uh you know antennas out uh, physically but uh they're pretty straightforward but uh uh if you're kind of starting off i think simple is the best you know the radio and I th the atlas 120 i think pairs up with the uh with the uh the 891 uh, quite well uh, but if it doesn't or it gets a little more complicated go with something simple like a hamstick and uh and you can get you know all the bands and for five bands you can get for 100 bucks and uh away you go we had spike earlier and that's what he did he got uh, five hamsticks and for about a hundred dollars and 
off you go. The disadvantage is you got to change antennas. And if you're going 70 miles an hour down the freeway, it's a, a you little difficult. That. You can't do yeah. that. But you, when you plan your stops sure. for, uh, to recycle coffee, then you can uh, make, the, make the band change. But, yeah, every, uh, every, every so, yeah. such and such mileage, you get to stop mm-hmm. and pull over with that. That's a good price point for, I think, the radio yeah. and everything that goes with it. I, I mean, I, I have the ICOM 7100. And a Tar Heel on mine, but you also have to think about with that, you know, I had to get a tuner with that because I can't, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I don't, I'm not a big fan of trying to tune up the mobile radio by listening and playing with the knob so much. So the tuner too much distraction, too much distraction, it's just not safe. I, that's and, why I like the simple. It's like, okay, a hamstick, you're going to be limited to this part of the band because of bandwidth and uh, mm-hmm. you just kind of go along and just, oh, this is where I'm going to operate and, uh, and then if I want to change bands, I'll pull over at the next rest stop or our convenient place and switch yep. antennas and go continue on down the road. Here's one that I like. This came up recently. You'll like this, Steve. I think this is the perfect question. What does it mean when they say the band, the is, band long? is long? So when the band is long, it means so like, well, it was 40 meters. I say that a lot on the uh, 40 meter net. It's like, yeah, the band is long. So from my perspective here on the West Coast, when the band is long, all I'm hearing is people on the East Coast. Everything west of the Rockies, pretty much nobody. I'm not hearing, you know, I can uh, normally work a bunch of people in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, into Utah, Nevada. And when the band is long, it's just that that angle kind of coming up and then, you know, coming off the ionosphere. And where, so we have the, the signal comes up, hits the ionosphere, and then goes back down. This spot right in here, which could be, you know, 1,500 miles, is that dead zone. And uh, so, uh, and then as the propagation changes, then the angle changes, and then now the band becomes short. And uh, so it's, when, when I make the reference the band is long, or anyone makes the, the band is long, it's basically... Hey, we're working the East Coast from the West Coast. And the East Coast guys are going, hey, we're working the West Coast and we're missing out in the Midwest. So you're getting left out in the cold, Christian. Mm-hmm. I am. I get screwed on that deal. That's what it means. <laughs> the band is long. Christian gets screwed. But thank you for the question. You hear that so often. Mm-hmm. The band is long. It's up and, and down. And most of the time you hear it mainly on you know, like 75 meters, 80 meters, and 40. is uh, uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear those terms. Hey, the band is long, so. Okay, our friend Ricardo, he's building an antenna wire for an off-center fed 12-gauge or 14-gauge. I go with 12-gauge, heavy du- heavier duty. It's uh, going to be a little more stout. It'll add a little bit more bandwidth because um, the bigger your surface area is, because remember, RF floats on the surface of a conductor. It doesn't float on the inside of it, so... You have more surface space on a uh, on a uh, you know 12 gauge versus 14. It's going to be a little heavier, and the price is going to be a little more because 12 gauge wire costs a little more than 14 gauge. But uh, I go for the stout, so the stouter the better. 14 gauge is probably your your base. I think most people That's are probably. A- I think you'd look at DX engineering, and you look at others, and what what they're doing at the insulated 14 gauge yep that's pretty but, common 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of your common. So Steve's trying to bump you up. So you look at the numbers, 12 gauge is a bump up from 14. It just looks looks a little different there. That, then you're going, well, why, why don't I just go with six gauge? And it's like, yeah, you can, but <laughs> now you have the weight. <laughs> and so there is a point of <laughs> a point of no return <laughs> and the I, cost. Six gauge wire is pretty expensive. <laughs> I think but, I went with a 16 gauge kind of doing some MCOM mm-hmm. study and, and they may and even go perfect. up a little. I mean, the super light kind mm-hmm. of stuff that fits in your pocket. And I don't know if this is an off-center fed for long-term home use, but yeah, if you can, you can get the uh, wire up on the mass and tie it off and the weight's not an issue for you, then yeah, let us know how 12 gauge works. I just think 14 is the one that's commonly. That's the common stuff. You can get a thousand foot roll of 14 gauge antenna wire, pretty inexpensive relatively. Good luck with it, Ricardo. He lives in paradise there in Florida. We can't wait to see Ricardo. How your antenna plays out. Put it up so we can work. So when the band is long, you and I can work. (laughs) Yeah, right. Here's a a question from Rod. And this one here is another trap, I think. And it it just depends. It just depends. And if you're talking about suggestions on good headphones for, yeah, just listening. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many out there. If you're talking about the ones with the microphones... You know, there's a few options out there. I don't own any of those. When I run, I run with a headset like this. This is Sony. And these are like your classic studio radio headphones. I like them because they're light. They're not the best. They're not the worst. uh, But they work for me. However, I may as well do it. When when I'm on the air, I'll wear these. I don't know if you'll be able to see these. But these were recommended from a, an audio friend of mine. And what they do is they they get down to like a, a, a lower, so it's not so many high frequencies. Uh, these are, uh, what are they, 80 ohm? What is this? Yeah, 80 ohm. So it's down a little lower. So when I'm wearing these, it's not so loud. It's a warmer thing in my ear. If you're talking about ones with a microphone, then there's a few options out there. And There I, are I don't, many options out there, so. What were you going to say, Steve? Oh, yeah. No, I use the Pro 3, the Heil Pro 3. and But, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, this is kind of like the same headphones you're wearing right now. It's uh, just a good all-around, um, uh, goes from, you know, 50 hertz or whatever, all the way up to 20K or just. But the for me, the biggest factor is comfort. If you can wear it for a few hours and feel, and it's comfortable, that's the bigger factor. So, I mean, pretty much headphones are pretty equal. And uh, as far as their frequency response and things like that, the bigger factor is can you wear it for, you know, hours at a time and uh, and go for comfort. Just don't go, you know, well, you know, Steve uses this guy, you know, and, or or whatever. It might not work for you. So it find something. Not. Yeah. It's, because your Hiles right there. I remember mm-hmm. getting a set of those, and they may be slightly different, but what they have is a smaller circle. And what I don't know if I have big ears or what, but those, the circle, I like over the ears. Mm-hmm. So my ears go up in here and they're nestled softly. Those tiles would sit right on my ear. And over time, you talk about comfort for my ears, they mm-hmm. bother me. 
they could sound great. And I love that the cable came out. Um, so they had benefits too. This is sort of a tricky question and it's so, built for what you need. So this one's more oblong. The, uh, so, sorry about hitting the mic. So this one is a little more oblong. Let me take the cover off and you can kind of see the, the difference here. Yeah, so that's this over is, the ear. That's a and good this is over point. the ear. So that's, you know, the, the Pro Series or Pro 6. This is the Pro 3, which is, as you were talking about, that round. It's, mm -hmm. And so if you have bigger ears, then uh, this particular headset might not work for you. After a while, it'll be, you know, pushing on your ears. And then that's where the comfort part is and no matter how good a headset is as far as all the specs and everything oh yeah this has you know great uh specifications for you know frequency response if it's not comfortable you're not going to wear it and so what good is it so i the first thing to go for is comfort and then the rest of it just falls into place and that comes lightweight or the mm -hmm. AKGs. I think there's a set of AKGs that are really light. They're over the ears, very soft. They've got a bit more of a structure on the top that I, mm -hmm. I don't care for. So you look like you're wearing this huge headset, but really light. And if you're going to sit for a long period of time, I just think of that. Now, I don't like anything in my ear much. I can't do that for long. <laughs> I can't yeah. do those for long. I see the value of them. But if you had, again, another another thing is if you had hearing aids. That's another mm -hmm. issue, and many people don't want to put it. You shouldn't put. I think you probably could, but it gets dicey to put headphones over top of something that's already in your ear for hearing oh. assist. <laughs> I mean, that's a problem. So, but I, you'll find somebody that tells you they can do it. They do it all the time, and that works for them. But whatever, I would never do that. So it is a personal choice. It's a budget choice, and uh, for these, they're light. For this. It sounds weird, but they make me sound like me. When I wear the ones that I showed you for operating on a radio, it's warmer. Everything is warmer and it's brought down so I don't hear all that high-end noise because I'll get ear fatigue and next thing you know, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to listen anymore or I'll go to the speaker just in the room because it's too much, too much piercing into my brain. But it's a good question, but it's very personal. So mind very your personal. own business and put some on. Put some on and try it and find out what your budget is. You're probably looking at a hundred bucks for a decent set of headphones. Yeah. I wouldn't uh bows, what are they? Bow, I don't know, not too big oh, on bows or beats. Super expensive. Yeah. Beats, I wouldn't beat beats. You see the kids spending hundreds of dollars on these beats headphones. It's about a forty dollar headset. Sorry if you own them, but uh, there's been pretty good research out there on actually what's happening inside. It's about a forty dollars headset. But that's when the brand names that you sort of mentioned about, you know, oh, you hear, oh, I'm using that. I better get that. Right. This is very specific to your own taste. And don't let that name brand all the time be the one that guides you because you might be disappointed. I, exactly. You know, go go with the beats. Don't know what the difference between I'm getting on a rant here, Steve. <laughs> like you put on a record and vinyl. That's going to sound different than well, an MP3. Kids know that this is, yeah. you know, audio. And they don't, you know, I mean, these the earbuds only have, you know, a really small range of frequency response. And uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Dre, I don't mean to poo poo on your beats and I hope you feel yeah. better soon. But um, that's a very expensive headset for a pretty linear sound. So when we when we get out of the out of the pandemic or whatever, we get down to the ham fest and things like that or or get into the stores. 
try, you know, try different headsets and you find something that works. I mean, yeah, you can, you know, go on Amazon and go, yeah, well, I'll order this or that. It's, you might be sending them, sending them back, buying them, sending them back, but find something that's comfortable and that works for you and that you can wear for, for a few hours and, uh, and then go from there and uh, everything else will just fall into place. But comfort is the biggest factor and, uh, and it's personal. What works for me is not going to work for you. And, uh, but I, there's a ben- a huge benefit of operating with headphones for years. I didn't operate with headphones and, uh, the old timer saying, yeah, you, you, and then I finally started going to headphones. Now I don't even, if I get, if I operate the the cans are going on and plain and simple, it's, uh, rarely do I work a station even if I have the radio on and I walk into the into here and I want to make a contact with them, I'll put the headphones on just mm-hmm. because that's yeah, the way sound right into your head. It, it just well, plus I got monitor turned on, so I'm listening to myself as I'm yeah. talking, and so I don't want to have that feedback going. <laughs> it's a but very much it's a to each thing. their own. Do whatever you want. If you want to buy expensive headphones good but try them on first and don't go on the names i'm not trying what? to crap on dr dre i mean uh yeah it's dre right dr dre exactly and He's if these work for you money on it go for it yeah uh, whatever I works just, i just can't do that i just can't do that. i mean for <laughs> long so used to it. <laughs> i just can't for long i see the value of it i don't i don't think they're very good for your ears but it, i don't know but they work fine it's fine just do just, just, you just do it i don't care Get off my lawn. Well, thanks, guys. We've really managed to bang out 90 minutes of fast. It was like oh, surfing God. today. There's so much going on. I appreciate all the questions. Uh, several came in that we did not get to, but we'll put them in the queue for next time. We promise you that. Wednesday night, I may try to do another net on 72.30. I just have to outweigh or wait the, uh, the broadcast station that comes in, it seems to go away at about 721. As odd as that is, it's a weird time. But uh, if it clears up, I may go there. It's a friendly area of, of the band. So that's kind of cool. Let's do it. Tomorrow night is Super Bowl uh, stuff. And we're, we're going to be there because I could care less. I mean, I couldn't care less, I don't think. But tomorrow we got a good show. We've got the net starts at 7 o'clock. I'm not going to be spending much time with it. I'll have Puppy Bowl. I think I'll be Puppy Bowl and Kitty Bowl. I got kids. Mm -hmm. Love this stuff. If Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes could both lose tomorrow, like if there was a situation where they could both (laughs) lose, I'd be like, this is great. I would watch it. But um, not as much interest. So we do have a net tomorrow. Starts 7 o'clock Central. I will be streaming, doing play-by-play. Steve takes to the air. Hopefully we have good band conditions. And then after that, uh, I, I think if you're not paying attention to the game, a very valuable, to me, conversation, uh, we're going to be talking to representatives from Handy Hams. And if you don't know this, there's a lot of people uh, you know, with disabilities in our hobby, and it's really mm-hmm. important, and you may not even hear about it as much. They're not out there just telling you, yeah, yeah, I've got this issue. You may hear it they may yeah you may hear about it but uh there's a lot of people we work that have you know and they run nets. They, they run nets it's fascinating they tune up their their radios there's pieces of equipment and equipment is a big part of this handy hams thing and you know getting 
it's interesting tomorrow night, eight o'clock, uh, we'll be talking about it. And so we're going to have a ham who's got a disability, he's blind. And we'll talk to somebody from Handy Hams about that service. So if you know somebody with a disability, it may be some a direction to put them in. So trying to be inclusive here. That's what we want to do. Sure, what do we want to take? Do I want to take a break from the Super Bowl? Come and join us. Come on. on you, don't need that. you don't need to just look at the score and be like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady gets <laughs> another one. I think the, the young quarterback from Kansas City is a um, fantastic player. And I think he'll probably pick up his second. I don't know anything, but my interest isn't there. I'm from Baltimore. I'm a Ravens fan. And if they're not in it, I'd rather um, be on the air. I'd rather be doing something else. Uh, if Russell Wilson was there, then I might be out. Yeah, then we like, would be yeah. thinking. I'd be like, okay, yeah. all right. It's a little closer to home. I get it. I yeah, understand. But- My thanks to everybody, Tim, who came by, and Shane, who came by with that great story. Um, Thank you, guys. And Karen and Paul, of course, and you guys, most importantly. I can't wait to go back and read the chat. I've missed so much. I've missed Same here. I tried to stay into it, engage, but it was like things were just going too quick here it's, today. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, for being here. We really appreciate it. All right. We will, uh, we will catch you tomorrow night as we uh, head off into um, – you'll get to hear in Net Control and check in to Net Control tomorrow, 7 o'clock Central. Uh, the show, the Sunday edition of the show, eight o'clock. Uh, Steve will still be running as we uh, as we start the show, and we will uh, we will move into uh, we'll dip back into him. If the net's still going on, we'll we'll do some play by play after I talk to the folks from Handyham. So that would be cool. Uh, where are we? I think that's it. I think that's it. All right, stay out of trouble today. Stay warm and uh, hang up an antenna because it's cold. Cool. Yes, it works better when you hang it up so in the as, snow. As evidenced by winter field day. All those contacts was because it was really cold and they were working in the freezing. 73 for now, friends. We'll catch up with you again real soon. Appreciate you being here. See you tomorrow night. 73, y'all. 73, Steve. 73, Christian. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.